the Blindly Switching Podcast. I hear you think, the drums? Nick's voice? The Blindly Switching Podcast? I didn't even think I was still subscribed to that thing. Didn't it vanish after episode 6? Well, I'm back. Two years ago, I took the plunge, dumped my iPhone and voiceover, and went all out Android and the Pixel 2. Well, two years on, and my phone contract is due for renewal. The experiment is over, and I thought I'd record a new episode reviewing my Android findings. By the end of this episode, you'll find out if my next phone is going to be an Apple or an Android one. Hi everyone, it's Nick. It's uh, good to be back. When I started the Blindly Switching podcast, I wanted to document my adventures into Android accessibility. I'd used an iPhone for about seven years and I kind of got bored of it all. At the time, the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X, yeah, silly name, still, had just come out and nothing about it really got me particularly excited. My two-year-old iPhone 6S was starting to slow down I didn't really want to spend money on a a new contract uh, and get a phone that I wasn't particularly excited by. I made the choice to jump to Android. At the time, there'd been uh, quite a lot of articles sort of published over a few years just saying Android accessibility just wasn't that great. Many of the rebuttals that I'd seen from Android enthusiasts uh, had said that the authors of the articles hadn't used it for long enough or they kept falling back to their iDevice and they hadn't really learnt it, they were sort of just fiddling with it. Uh, Or they'd used a a cheap Android device and were trying to compare it with a flagship Apple product in sort of a not really a like-for-like test. So I'm a self-confessed geek and I I just wanted to give it a try. I, I thought it couldn't be that bad. I was told a number of times by blind friends that I was crazy to even consider moving over to Android. Given the way that phone contracts here in the UK work, if I was going to do this, I'd be signing up for a two-year experiment. At the time, there'd been quite a bit of fuss about Google's new flagship phone, the Pixel, the second uh, release of which, the Pixel 2, was due out uh, roughly about the same time as the, the iPhone 8 and the iPhone X. So in October 2017, I handed in my trusty iPhone 6S to be recycled, and I picked up a shiny Pixel 2 running Android Oreo. That was the current flavour of Android at the time. As a preparation for this episode, I went back to listen to the sort of the last couple of episodes that I released. And it's interesting to see how my views uh, then contrast them with my views sort of now. So what do things look like now? Do I still have my Pixel 2? Well, yes, it's still here and it's still my only mobile device. I've been through two major release cycles of Android, Android Pie and uh, the recently released Android 10. And I would say after two years, I'm I'm a pretty confident Android user now. It isn't the same physical Pixel 2 that I started the experiment with. Uh, About six months uh, after getting the phone, I had a hardware fault uh, on it and it was replaced uh, quite without too much fuss. I've not had any hardware issues with the replacement, so so it's all looking good from that point of view. Once I decided that I was going to uh, record uh, a was sort of a, a end of experiment podcast, I put out a tweet saying, you know, what I was planning on doing, uh, and did anyone have any views or or anything they'd like me to talk about? I got a few replies. I got a, a question from Derry uh, about physically using the phone, how the 
gestures and the responsiveness compared to uh, iOS. Later on in the episode, I'm going to be going over my home screen, my favorite apps and talking a bit about them. Uh, And you'll be able to hear how easy it is to navigate and and how responsive the phone is. But in short, the gestures are different. Uh, And once you learn the Android gestures, actually, they're, they're pretty good. There's no real difference in terms of responsiveness, in terms of how easy they are to do uh, in comparison to iOS. And physically using the phone is just as easy as using an iPhone. There's actually a couple of things I prefer about the way Android gestures work. When I had my iPhone, using the rotor gesture, so sort of being able to switch modes and stuff like that, was something I used all the time sort of to navigate headings or links or text or whatever. Uh, And Android doesn't have the rotor gesture in that kind of way. And I did wonder how I was going to get on without that. However, the um, the alternative mechanism, which I'll demonstrate when we get to the demo stage, is actually better. It's easier to use, it's quicker, it's faster, it's, it's more intuitive, there's not so much fiddling around with doing weird gestures on the screen. The idea is that uh, left and right swipes move you between items on the screen, uh, so that's very equivalent to uh, an iOS, uh, but then a flick up or a flick down moves you through, uh, it's almost like a, a navigation sort of list, and it, it, it basically, the flick up and flick down determine what the flick left and flick right do, so you know you can flick to headings by flicking up or flicking down. And then when you flick right, it'll go to the next heading. Or you can flick down again and it will take you to controls or links or words or characters. Uh, and then your left and right gestures move you on by that thing that you've selected. It, it's harder to explain than it is to actually use. It's actually really intuitive uh, and actually much, much quicker to use than the rotor. Derry also mentioned that the Pixel line of phones sound like the best stock Android phone, and I would definitely agree with that. Uh, in fact, I'm not the only person that agrees with that. Pretty much any article you'll read about stock Android, they will say the Pixel phones are are the best. Google make the phone, they make the operating system. You'd kind of hope that they would do a good job of making the operating system work on their phone. But this does lead on to one of my gripes with Android. Because different manufacturers and different phone makers have their own skins, their own flavors of Android, switching between devices is is kind of patchy. It's, you know, you, your Android experience on a Pixel is going to be different from your Android experience on a Samsung, which is going to be different from your Android experience on an LG, which is going to be different from dot, dot, dot. You know, you, you get what I'm trying to say. All these phones run Android, but they come with their own skins, their own launchers, their own uh, ways of doing things. This is why if you're going to go Android, I would definitely suggest you go stock Android. You're more likely to get a better accessibility experience. You're more likely to get better updates. And fundamentally, stock Android is fine. You don't need all of the bloatware, all of the extra stuff that Samsung and LG and all these other companies put on their phones. It's to make them stand out from the crowd. It's often gimmickware. There's not a lot really makes the phone a better experience to use. Okay, sometimes your camera is better and, and you know, it's, it's small tweaks like that. But fundamentally, it's Android, but it looks different. And you're going to get a better accessibility experience, I found, if you go with stock Android. The Pixel phones, most of the Huawei phones, although I wouldn't personally go with a Huawei phone because of uh, my concerns about security, run stock Android. There's lists, if you Google uh, stock Android phones, you'll get a list of sort of the best stock Android phones. There's some good ones, there's some Motorola's, there's a a Nokia on there, but, but the Pixels always come out top. 
because of all of this stuff to do with um, inconsistent views and and different companies having their flavour of Android, Android kind of has a reputation, certainly within uh, the community of people that sort of look at Android but don't necessarily use it very much, um, of being a bit patchy in terms of uh, updates and uh, sort of user experience. And I'd, I'd agree with that. that. That actually, that that experience and that view kind of does match up with what I've read about Android and, and the experience that I've had using a couple of different Android devices. Um, my daughter's got a, a Huawei, okay, which is stock Android, but um, I've used a, an Android tablet. And, and, and to be honest, stock Android is better. It's stupid that you can still buy a phone that is running a version of Android that is three or four generations out of date. It's just stupid. And it's, it's one of my biggest gripes with Android. So yes, if you're going to do what I did and try Android, go stock Android. Certainly if you want a, a usable, accessible experience. Uh, if you don't, then you have to be aware uh, of the the particular uh, changes that uh, the particular company have made to the phone that you're looking at. Uh, one of the other people that responded to me was Ed. Thanks, Ed. He commented that the articles and sort of information he'd read about blind people who had tried Android seemed to indicate that it needs more fiddling around and more sort of playing with and, and stuff like that. And he said that with iOS stuff, it just kind of works, that the updates are regular. And I kind of see what he's getting at. With Android, there's an awful lot more flexibility about how you use your phone. For me, this is actually one of the major plus sides for Android. If you don't like something, there's a really good chance that you can change an app you're using or you could change the launcher and you can find a workflow or a way of doing things that works in the way that you want it to work. So a, a launcher is, is like your home screen, is your interactions with the phone. I really like this flexibility in Android, but it does mean the time that you're willing to invest on in playing with the phone and setting it up and getting it tweaked just how you like it is going to be slightly longer with Android because, you know, flexibility just means that there's more things to play with. However, the other side of that is that if you don't like the Apple way of doing stuff and you've got an iPhone, then you're stuck. There's not a lot you can do. It's sort of tough cheese. In terms of update frequency, uh, one of Ed's other points, I'd say actually this is as good on stock Android as it is on iOS. And again, this is stock Android. Going back to my earlier point about companies having their own flavors of Android or their own uh, apps on top of Android. With the stock Android, the operating system is updated regularly. You get a major update every year, just like you do with iOS. In terms of uh, app updates, they're just as frequent on Android as they are in iOS. One of the things that actually is good about the update cycle that Android follows is that TalkBack, or what is now called Android Accessibility Suite, is actually updated more often than the core OS on iPhones or, or iOS devices. VoiceOver is, is a fundamental part of the operating system. Well, that's true for TalkBack, apart from it can be updated outside of the main operating system release cycle, which means that bugs can get fixed quicker. You've not got to wait for a whole huge operating system release cycle for stuff to get fixed and I have seen stuff that gets fixed quite quickly on TalkBack. It's a bit subjective but in my view I've also found TalkBack generally to be less buggy than VoiceOver uh, particularly uh, in terms of new versions of, of iOS that come out. The Apple VIS community quite regularly put out uh, a post 
fairly soon after a new release of iOS that say, these are all the things that are wrong with it. These are the things that are fixed. And it doesn't, it takes a couple of months really to, to get a really solid voiceover experience. And I do actually know blind friends that will not update their, their iDevices before sort of two or three months after the, uh, like a major iOS release because of this. In my experience with Android, it's just not the same. You don't seem to get the great big pile of bugs at the big, at the beginning of a major release that, that you do with iOS. I'd also have to say that TalkBack just works. I very rarely see it do something I wouldn't expect or, or exhibit a bug. That's not to say in the last two years I haven't seen any major problems because I have. For example, recently, uh, sort of June time, Chrome, the main web browser on, on the phone that I use, uh, started just behaving oddly. Uh, focus just kept seeming to get lost and you kept jumping up to the top of the page randomly. Uh, it started with just a couple of websites, and I thought it was just some weird technology that those particular websites were using, but it, it quite rapidly turned into pretty much every website I visited. Uh, I contacted the Android accessibility support team, uh, and they made, they got back to me really quite quickly and made a few suggestions. Uh, they were able to reproduce the issue, and uh, they said it's it's an issue with Chrome, and for now, they suggested I used Firefox. Now, that, that to me is really good. We, they admitted they had a problem. They gave me an alternative solution. And then they said, we'll get back to you when, when we've got a fix for this. Now, don't get me wrong. It would have been nice if this bug hadn't happened. However, the, the support I got from the accessibility team at Android was absolutely brilliant. Something I have a sneaking suspicion wouldn't have been the same with Apple. Having said that, I'm two months on from that, and I'm still using Firefox sometimes because Chrome still has the odd wobble. I'm, I'm now using Chrome more often. That for a while, I turned Chrome off as my default browser. I set it to Firefox and didn't use Chrome at all. Firefox is pretty good on Android. It's a nice experience, but, but for me, Chrome is just a little bit slicker, a little bit uh, faster. It just it feels kind of... I don't know, again, probably subjective. It kind of feels a bit nicer. I'll, uh, I'll be pleased when it uh, gets back to its normal state and I don't have any uh, misgivings or worries that, that they won't get to the bottom of this. I do doubt that the Apple support would have been anywhere as near as good as that. In the last episode I put out, uh, over to, over 18 months ago now, I did a mini review of, of my findings so far and I said that Android accessibility and iPhone accessibility were comparable, were just as good. That the main learning curve was finding and learning the Android way of doing stuff. That an Android device was just as accessible as an iPhone. Nearly two years on, and I absolutely agree with that statement, and I, I wouldn't change what I said there. Android is not perfect, but neither is iOS. There's some bits I like about Android, there's some bits I don't like about it. But altogether, Android is accessible. It's regularly updated, and the view that a blind person shouldn't even think about Android and that the iPhone is the only real option is kind of out of date. It's, it's a bit of a misguided view nowadays. As I said in that last episode, we live in great times for accessibility. As a blind person, my choice over which phone to go for, an iOS device or an Android device, very much comes down to the same kind of decisions on privacy, on walled gardens, on on flexibility that a sighted person would use. That's that's absolutely brilliant for where we stand with accessibility nowadays. 
so it really does come down to do you do you go with the walled garden of Apple where everything is kind of predictable, but unless you do it the Apple way, you, you're stuck? Or do you go with the flexibility that Android brings you, but with the understanding that you are going to have to do a bit more playing and a bit more setup time and, and invest a little bit more time in understanding your phone and finding a good way for you to work? So it's demo time. I have my Pixel 2 here, and uh, what I thought I'd do is I'd just go over my home screen and have a look at uh, sort of the apps that I have uh, on the home screen. So the home screen is the ones that I use most often. Uh, it's not like an iOS device where you have a number of uh, home screens, although you can do that. What you tend to have is a home screen or two home screens. Uh, I've only got the one. And then what's called the app list where all of your apps live. Okay, so I'm at the top of my home screen and it says this. Sunday the 15th of September. Double tap to activate, double tap and hold to long press. So there, obviously this is the, the Pixel launcher and it, and it just has the date. Clear, 11 degrees Celsius. The weather. Double tap, Bible. Actions, shortcuts and notifications, remove, uninstall. And I'm into my apps now and my first app is my Bible app. This is called Uversion. It's also available on iOS uh, and it's an absolutely brilliant uh, way of accessing the Bible. I'm a, I'm a Christian and uh, it has really good daily plans and lots of different versions of the Bible. It's it's a, it's a really, really good app. And that's uh, the first app on my home screen. Now, as you heard TalkBack say, you can uh, double tap or double tap and press or you can do actions so you can move stuff around and you can uninstall and take stuff off your home screen. It's it's very, very intuitive to, to work out how to manage your home screen. Podcast Addict has two notifications. So Podcast Addict is my next app. Very much what it says on the tin. Uh, it's a podcatcher. It's a good one. I've actually paid uh, to, to have the, the ad-free version because... Uh, it was a good app and I thought, well, you know, I've I had a little bit of money on a Google Play card and I thought, well, I, it's an app I use, I'll I'll pay for it. Tweetings. Tweetings is my Twitter app. It's it's a nice one. I've got it configured just how I like so that I can have a tweet on each line and it takes me uh, quite quick to swipe through and you can do filtering on hashtags so you can you know, hide stuff and you can turn off retweets by certain users or you can uh, set up collections. It's It's a really, really powerful Twitter app. Amazon Kindle. Uh, Amazon Kindle is one of the book apps that I have. I'm a, a, a massive reader. I find the Kindle on my Android device as easy to use as I did as Kindle on my iOS when I used to use that. Uh, the only slight annoyance I have with it is once you put it into uh, read mode, you have to kind of leave the screen on um, and you can only leave the screen on uh, for half an hour. And then when the screen automatically closes itself or, or goes into lock screen, it stops reading. The other thing that's a bit weird about it sometimes is that uh, when you switch pages, you get a little bleep. Uh, it's kind of annoying, but to be honest, I, I read so much now that I kind of don't hear that bleep anymore. The Amazon Kindle app is really great. And actually, to be honest, Kindle generally is just brilliant. Uh, again, talking about the ability to read books and how accessible that is, go back five, ten years, we weren't in anywhere near the shape we're in now for access to books. It's so, we're in we're at such a good time to to be a blind person with accessibility to books. Facebook. Facebook, it, yes, it is what it is. It's the standard Facebook app. Um, not amazing. I'm not a huge user of Facebook, but it uh, gives me access to the couple of groups that I need to get access to. Uh, I'm an admin for a, a couple of things, and it, it gives me the the access that I need to get. I don't particularly like Facebook. It's 
it's what it is. It just happens to be on my home screen where it is, though. Uh, so not a bad app. Um, certainly usable. Um, it's okay. It does what it does, really. It's not amazing, but it's okay. Aquamail. Aquamail is uh, my mail app. Um, I did quite a detailed review on it uh, when I first started my Android journey. Still very much a fan of Aquamail. It's a really good app. I can manage multiple accounts. It's very easy to reply and write messages and uh, all the sorts of stuff that you can do with the mail app. It's nice and easy to manage your mailbox. It does it, IMAP and POP and all sorts of stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a really nice mail app. Reader. So this is a Voice Dream Reader, an app that um, many blind people will be quite familiar with. It's just as good on Android as it is on iOS. I actually find it easier and better and more stable than Dolphin's Easy Reader, which is a, a fairly recent competitor. It's great for listening to books that have been broken down into MP3s. I'm listening to a, a series of lectures and, and a course on uh, Reaper, which is a, an audio program. And I'm doing all of that through uh, Voice Dream Reader. It's great at text files. It's great at Word documents. It's If you know Voice Dream Reader on iOS, then the screen is laid out differently and it looks a bit different. But it, in terms of its functionality, its capabilities, it's it's very much you have the same kind of stuff on 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 the version on Android as you do on iOS. Folder IHS apps. Actions removed. So this is a folder uh, called IHS apps. Now IHS is Iswine High School. It's the uh, school that my daughter has recently started attending, um, and they have a few apps, three apps that um, that they use. Uh, it's a really clever thing that uh, I can see my daughter's homework. I can see when she gets merits or if she's had any behavior issues. Although if she has that, she, we, we will have words. And unsurprisingly, it is quite accessible. One of the things that I found with Android is that there's a really good chance that any app that you find in the app store is going to be accessible. Okay, games pretty much not you know but then that's the same as as ios from what i remember there's a, there's a fairly good chance that you can uh, use an app okay you know you get some that you you open and you think oh no that's not going anywhere and um, but you know quite a lot of apps are quite accessible the other thing that you can do in talkback very easily that i never used in ios because it was such a pain and such a faff to use was you can label objects if you find an unlabeled button it's very very easy to give it a label and actually describe what that button does there's a demonstration uh, i use in one of the earlier episodes of that folder kids games okay so i've just got a folder here that uh my daughter and my son have some of their games in i don't ever go in there so i'm just going to skip on lose it has one lose it is uh, a weight loss app i'm should we say I'm bigger than I should be? I'm way more than I should do. And I'm actually on a bit of a diet at the minute. And so I searched the App Store or the Play Store uh, for a calorie counter and something that would help me uh, track what I'm eating and stuff like that. And Lose It is what I found. Again, very, very nice app. Um, again, I just found it by searching the Play Store. There was no, there was no real recommendations, so I, I had no... Um, indication whether it was going to be accessible or not. It, it is. It's totally easy to use. Audio Recorder. Audio Recorder is uh, an app I use, uh, strangely enough, for recording audio. I wonder if you guessed that that's what I used it for. I'm part of the worship team and I play uh, drums at our church. And uh, quite often I'll record uh, a worship set just on my phone next to me where I'm playing, just so that I can assess where I am, what I need to do better, see if I can improve my playing. 
I do very much like the, the recordings that I get from Audio Recorder. It's better at loud stuff than it is at quiet stuff. Uh, sometimes if I just record voice, it gets a bit hissy and a bit crackly. Um, but generally, the mics on the Pixel are lovely. You get a nice stereo image and you can record in stereo as you can hear. Now playing history. Now playing history is something uh, that came in uh, Android Pie, I believe. Uh, and it's basically, you, if I double tap and we'll show, go into it. Now playing history. Part of the Pixel launcher basically identifies any songs that it, as you're sort of moving around, you know, and the, the music in the background, it will identify songs that it's heard. So if I just scan through this and uh, you'll hear me flicking now. More options button. Yesterday. Something beautiful. Need to breathe. 2113. The 12th of September. Enlist the 12th of September. Five. Pat a cake, pat a cake. Nursery rhymes. 123, 2153. Where on earth did I hear that? Vienna, Ultravox, 738. And Double tap to activate. the really interesting thing about this is it doesn't do it by bouncing off to Shazam or anything like that. It does it all on the phone. It doesn't It doesn't use an internet search engine, which is really quite clever. If you know anything about audio, that's um, that's quite impressive. Um, but yeah, it's 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 quite it's a bit of a gimmick, but it's quite fun to to sometimes just flick through that. Uh, I'm now going to go back to my home screen by doing the home, home screen gesture. one of one. Amazon factory folder. I lose it has one audio record. Now playing history. So I'm back on the uh, now playing history. Apps list. Apps list. Actions, wallpapers, so widgets. this will be how I would then get to the seventy or odd other apps that I've got on my phone. Phone. So I'm now into what would be the dock on uh, iOS. And my first thing is phone, uh, which, strangely enough, for a telephone, is the phone app. Messages. Uh, yeah, so SMS, messages. Chrome. Actions, Chrome, shortcuts, and notes. Uh, the web browser. Search. Because this is a Google phone, uh, search is, is really obvious. Uh, and I spoke quite a bit about that in a previous episode. Voice search. And then I can do a voice search. There's still bits about the Pixel that I really like, squeezing the side of the phone to bring up the assistant, that sort of stuff. There's a lot of things that I like in here. I did say I was going to do a quick demo of the swipe up, swipe down. So I'm going to start swiping down just so you can hear the navigation options. Uh, this is context uh, dependent. So if I'm on a Chrome window, I would have different options in here. But these, these are the options when I'm in uh, just sort of the, the home screen. Characters. Words. Paragraphs. Headings. Links. Controls. Default. So uh, default is your standard one, and that's the one that most of the time I use. Uh, I do use headings if I'm on a web page and links. If I'm trying to spell something, I'll use words and characters. But it is very, very easy. There's no messing with the rotor or anything like that, and that's what I, I was kind of saying earlier. Uh, a couple of other uh, apps of note that I use quite a bit. I use the Amazon Shopping app quite a bit. Uh, that's nice and accessible. Um, it used to be slightly better than it is. They've put a few adverts and, and sponsored listings, but that's, I suppose, just the way of the way of life. Um, that's quite a good app. The uh, Dropbox app is great. That works quite nicely. The BBC iPlayer Radio. That they, they were, these are all just apps that kind of work, uh, and and they're just good apps. When Derry got in contact with me, he also asked how easy is it to access settings. I'd actually say that compared to the last time I looked at iOS, uh, Android is, is cleaner in the settings window. Let's uh, have a look, shall Search. we? Search. Correct. Messages. Phone. Right. Tap list. So if I now playing. Tap list. Action. App suggestions. Amazon Alexa. If I go into my app list. Shortcuts and notifications. Amazon Shopping in grid 23 rows. And I'm going to scan down. So I'm going to do I'm going to do a screen scroll by uh, just doing a uh, 
left and right gesture. Duo. Actions, shop, maps. And then shop, I, actions, I touched shop, the screen reader. to see where shop, I was. Actions, shortcuts, and notifications. Run. Speed on. Showing items 91 to 115 of 100. Wow, I've got 115 apps. Wow, I didn't realize I had quite that many. Skype. Sky Q. Sim toolkit. Sim settings. Ah, settings. There we go. That's where I want to be. So I'll tap him. Profile picture. Double tap to open Google account button. Search settings. The search is really good for finding settings. You only have to type in a couple of fairly generic keywords. There's a really good chance it will find what you're looking for. I will just swipe through the settings screen just so you can see that it's much, much tidier than the the huge pile of stuff that you get uh, on iOS uh, in the settings screen. Profile picture, double tap to open Google account button. Customize your pixel, try different styles, wallpapers, clocks, and more. Show, double tap, network and internet, Wi-Fi, mobile, data usage and hotspot, enlist 17 items, connected devices, Bluetooth, NFC. Apps and notifications, assistant, recent apps, default apps. Battery, 95%. Display, wallpaper, sleep, font size. I quite like the fact it tells you some of the settings that you can get access to. So this is this one is display, and then it tells me what I can get access to in there. It's not all of the settings, but it gives you a, a sort of a flavor of what will be in there. It's a, that That's a really nice feature. I like that. It, it makes it very easy to find stuff in here. Sound, volume, vibration, do not disturb. Storage, 50% to use 31.93 gigabytes free. Double tap to activate. Privacy, permissions, account activity, personal data. Double tap. Location. On 33 apps, have access to location. One of the things Double I really activate. like about this is how much information I get. The fact that 30, you know, I'm just on the main settings screen. It tells me that 33 apps have access to my location. That's quite good. I quite like that. Security. Play, protect, screen, lock, fingerprint. Accounts, duo, Skype and LinkedIn. Accessibility, screen readers, display, interaction controls. I think I did a tour of the accessibility screen in one other episode. Again, there's lots and lots of stuff you can do in here. It's it's quite flexible. Digital well-being and parental controls, screen time, app timers, bedtime schedules. I'm going to talk a little bit about parental controls because my daughter and my son both have Android devices. My daughter, uh, she recently started secondary school and so we bought her a phone uh, so that she could get in contact with us. And because she's 11 and 11-year-olds nowadays apparently have to have a phone. So I was told. And my son is a little bit younger. He's nine and he has a, an Android uh, tablet. The parental controls on Android are absolutely fantastic. The, the ones I've seen on iOS are rudimentary by, by comparison. I can... Uh, I get a notification and a query on my phone every time one of them wants to install an app. I can see how much time they're spending on apps. I can see how I can unlock their phone. I can lock their phone all from my phone. Uh, it's it's a it's a really really good. I can set age ratings on stuff, but I don't have to be on their device to do it. It's all part of our 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 family Google account. It's a really really nice way of doing stuff. I would say it's by far the best family controls of any device, whether that's a Windows PC, whether that's an Apple device. They are very, very good. Google, services and preferences. Double tap to activate. System, languages, gestures, time, backup. Double about phone, Pixel 2. Tips and support, help articles, phone and chat, getting started. Double tap to activate. And that little blomp tells me that I'm at the bottom of that window. As you can see, a much, much cleaner interface to settings. That's not to say that I have any less power than I would if I was on an iDevice. It's just a much nicer view. I've actually got more control over stuff than I would on an iDevice because that's Android and it's flexibility and it's what it's good for.
So we've got to the point where I'm going to talk about what happens in the future. I have really, really enjoyed learning Android, and my Pixel 2 is a good phone. In fact, I'd almost say it's a great phone. But in the next month, I have to make a decision. Do I stay with my Pixel 2? Do I end the Android adventure and go back to an iPhone? Or do I go to the Pixel 4 due to be announced sometime in October? This option of staying with my Pixel 2 surprised me a little bit. When I was an iPhone user, I upgraded my phone every two years without fail. I found that at around 18 months to two years, my iPhone would would start sort of feeling a bit sluggish and the battery life would start not being quite so good. And it, and it would feel like, um, to use a term that we use at work quite a bit, it was kind of creaking at the edges a bit. With my Pixel 2, I don't feel like that. It's just as fast on Android 10, the one I installed about three weeks ago, than it was when I first bought it and it was running Oreo. The battery life is still absolutely brilliant on it. Staying with my current phone and reducing the cost, because I wouldn't be paying for the phone anymore, I'd just be using sort of paying the plan cost, is actually a real option for me and I'm, I'm kind of surprised at that. Switching back to iOS and, and getting an iPhone is a possibility. One of my big gripes with Android two years ago is something that still annoys me. It's that as an Android user, I'm almost considered a second-class citizen. Many of the app developers that focus on blindness-specific apps pretty much only think Apple. If they're going to think Android, it's very much a second thought, and it will be something that they maybe do if they have enough time or if they've got enough money left over from, from their main app development. Android is generally an afterthought. For an example, we're still waiting for seeing AI from Microsoft. It's been out on iOS for nearly two years, and it's a very, very good app from what I've read. I've never used it because I don't have an iOS device to use it on. There are alternatives on Android, but it is a good example of what I mean. And in this sense, the only real way to change this situation is for there to be an awful lot more blind Android users. I'm a developer, I get it. If an app developer wants their app to be used by as many people as possible, if you're focusing at a blind community, then you'll go Apple. The other thing that uh, iOS has over Android is the community support. Okay, when I dealt with official uh, Android support over at Google, it was a great experience. However, there isn't a community of users in the same way there is on iOS. There's no real Apple Vis in sort of the website that uh, a lot of blind Apple users use. There is inclusive Android, but that's like comparing a Porsche 911 to a moped. That's not dissing the the inclusive Android folks. They do a good job, but but it isn't the same level of users. There aren't the same numbers of users, certainly, that contribute to that website. And, you know, as a user of Android, I feel I probably should, but I don't. There's also the iFree Android email list, but quite frankly, I found myself getting very frustrated on there. It's a very high traffic list. There's a, a lot of stuff going on there that I don't particularly care about, and I ended up unsubscribing uh, about four months after getting my phone. Uh, the other uh, thing that could be a decision breaker for, for some people is the Braille access. 
Uh, I'm not a Braille user on my phone, so I can't really comment uh, from first-hand experience, but my understanding is that uh, Apple and iOS Braille support is quite significantly better than uh, Braille support on Android. I haven't heard anything recently about that, so that may have changed. For me, though, this isn't a factor because I don't use Braille on my phone. My third option is to upgrade my handset to the Pixel 4. There's uh, some interesting rumours around the Pixel 4. It'll be faster. The cameras, or camera, I'm not sure yet, uh, will be much better. Although, to be fair, on the Pixel 2, it's pretty good anyway. The battery life will be just as good, if not better. It'll have wireless charging support. Wow. Sorry, I can't get that excited about wireless charging. All of these are just rumours. Uh, there hasn't really been an awful lot that's been confirmed at, at this stage. You know, I'm recording in middle of September. So we don't really know what the Pixel 4 is going to have until the official announcement. Uh, and I don't really know what's going to be on it. So the big question is, which way am I going to go? Well, I'm staying with Android. I really enjoy using my phone. I love the flexibility that Android has. I love the way the system just works. The way of Android just works with my mindset. The way that Google and the way that Android does stuff just makes more sense in my head. When I've used uh, my wife's iPhone 7, I just find iOS frustrating. I find it a bit slow. And as I'm now used to the way that Android works, I find iOS just a bit too restrictive. For me, switching back to iOS would feel like a backward step iPhones will be the first option for blind people for the foreseeable future. And for many, many people, that is the right decision. But for me, I like Android. And if I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't have to think that hard about it. It wasn't a great big, oh, which way do I go? It was a, it was a fairly easy decision to make. So the decision of whether I stick with my Pixel 2 or upgrade to the Pixel 4 is still up in the air. I haven't made a decision yet about that. It's going to very much come down to... Uh, does anything about the Pixel 4 grab me? Now, I'm a bit, like I say, a bit of a self-confessed geek. So, ooh, new shiny, ooh, let's have a look at that. There will certainly be an element of that, but it will come down to what do I get for my money that I will be spending on a new phone? If I can upgrade for around the same price uh, than what I'm paying at the minute, um, even if that means going to a, a three-year uh, cycle instead of a two-year cycle, then there's a good chance that I'm going to upgrade to the Pixel 4. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear what you've got to say about anything that I've mentioned. I'd also love to hear any ideas about uh, future episodes. Uh, I've not really got any ideas in mind for anything, so uh, you know, unless there's something that grabs my attention or someone asks for something that I think, oh yeah, I could probably do a good job of that, there, there may not be many more episodes of the Blindly Switching podcast. But, you know, if you get in contact with me, who knows? The best ways to get in contact with me are via Twitter. I'm uh, at... Adamson Family, A-D-A-M-S-O-N-F-A-M-I-L-Y, or via my website, www.ndadamson.com, and click the Contact Us link. You never know, the Blindly Switching podcast may pop up in your podcast feed again someday. Take care, and thanks for listening. Listening.